I think I underestimate my goodness in thinking about how God has given me free will. Like the Father, I think, sees more possibility and more good in me, and he has more confidence in my ability to use my free will than I think I do. Welcome to This Whole Life, a podcast for all of us seeking sanity and sanctity, and a place to find joy and meaning through the integration of faith and mental health. I'm Kenna Malay, a licensed marriage and family therapist, and I'm happy to bring you this podcast along with my husband, Pat Malay, a Catholic speaker, musician, and leader. We invite you to our kitchen table. Okay, not literally, but you're definitely invited into the conversations that we seem to keep having once the kids have scattered off to play and we're left doing the dishes. We're excited to share this podcast for educational purposes. It's not intended as therapy or as a substitute for mental health care. So let's get talking about this whole life. Welcome back to This Whole Life podcast. Um, today, I'm joined by Father Nathan LaLiberté, um, who you all are getting to know well. Hey, Father, welcome. How are you doing, Kenna? It's good to be back again. Um, and this is actually our first episode recording, just the two of us, um, and getting to let the world in on a lot of conversations that you and I have in case consultation, in spiritual direction, and just in friendship and living life together. So I'm excited for that, and I just continue to feel grateful for your contribution. Thank you so much, Kenna, for your kind words. It's good to be in the upper room with uh, you all. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, today's episode is on free will and ourselves. And it actually um, is the first of a pair of episodes that Father you will be on um, related to free will. Um, So the next episode will be with Pat, um, free will and others. Um, But today we're going to talk about this gift that God has given us as in our faith, we understand our free will as gift. Um, But before I get too far ahead of us, um, let's talk about those highs and hards. So you, sir, are my guest. I'd love to defer to you to start. Bring us up to speed on life lately. Sounds good. So I think one of the highs, and I'm actually learning, I listened to your other podcast that you recorded with Pat, because I think I I, I was honestly understanding it as highs and bads Mm. rather than hards. And so when I heard you and Pat saying some of your hards, I was like, oh, dude, I totally missed that. And I thought there was just something, it was actually really illuminating for me to say like, why does a hard always have to be bad? Yeah. So, I mean, I I just, I appreciate your own witness of those because it actually helped me to rethink it. So um, the high by far is I'm going to be leading a pilgrimage to Rome or already have led a pilgrimage to Rome, depending on when this is released. Um, And I am so stoked. We were supposed to do a pilgrimage to Poland. Um, back when I was serving in Delano, it got canceled because there's a global pandemic. Then second year of global pandemic, then a war on the border of Poland oh with gosh. Ukraine and Russia. Yeah. And so the tour company's like, no, we're just done with Poland. I'm like, no. And then they're like, well, it's, we could, we could calibrate quickly for Rome. And so I asked the pilgrims, do you want to try Rome? And several of them said, yes. So we're going. Um, and oh my um, gosh. I am so blessed to be able to do it. And I think one of the things I'm looking forward to most is if you've never been on a pilgrimage, it's just a very intimate time to like get to know one another Mm. and and to journey intentionally with people. And so, so much of the ministry that I do because it's a larger parish is like you get to see people briefly, but you don't get time for depth and that doesn't serve discipleship very well. So I'm just, I'm very, very excited. Um, 
to take this small group of people. And I, I know how privileged it is that they can afford it and all these things, but I, um, I'm looking forward to it. I'll do my pastor's heart very well to kind of invest intentionally and serve them. So, oh, beautiful. Yeah. Hi, hi. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. As it should be. And then, um, my heart has just been, um, we have went through kind of just a season of a lot of HR stuff, um, mm. on the parish level. And, um, I was actually talking to the archbishop and I just said, this isn't something that I realized was part of the priesthood. Uh, that there are these logistical things of um, there's HR, there's finances, there's even lawyers, um, and I, I didn't I didn't know that. Um, and you know what the archbishop just kind of said when I was sharing this with him is just that this is part of leadership. Um, mm. Is you don't just get kind of the easy glorious stuff. Yeah. There is the difficult lifting. And it, it's not it's not bad because it brings holy order <laughs> um, when it's implored, but it it is hard um, because it doesn't give back the same levels of life where like preaching the gospel or doing a baptism or a marriage does. So I think those are probably my highs and hearts. Yeah, are- that makes sense. Well, and I know one of our listeners commented, Father, after she heard the episode you were on, um, that she's really enjoying getting to learn more about the priesthood through a priest. Mm. You know, she has this vantage point of of seeing, you know, priests in their ministry and her impression of that. And so just, yeah, again, just a word of thanks to you for your vulnerability and humility in letting us in on things like, uh, I don't feel really gifted in this or find much life in it. Um, it helps us to know how to pray for you. Um, and it, it, um, rounds out the vision we have of you. Um, you're you. not just a, a cartoon character to us. Like you're a real person who has strengths and weaknesses and hard days and high highs and and all that. So yeah, Thank thanks. And, for and as one of your listeners, it's nice to see the family life and to realize what's going on on the other side of the queue. <laughs> <laughs> you did tell me last time we were together that you now understand why I'm chronically late to things. <laughs> so, and I would still like to claim that 10 minute buffer per child. Okay, you <laughs> so if, you if you're adding up, that's, I get to be an hour and 10 minutes late to everything, people. Okay, <laughs> um, but uh, okay, so. So, so my high and hard, speaking of kids, I'll start with my hard, which is um, we are in uh, the fall when we're recording this, and a few of our kids are in different sports, organized sports, and they're just getting into this season of life, um, which is so exciting. It's not something that I was really involved in as a kid. I, I was I'm not athletically inclined, um, but they love it. And the hard is um, weathering their emotions <laughs> as they lose games, um, mm. as there are unfair calls, um, as teammates maybe don't show up with their A game and they're feeling frustrated. Um, our our athletes tend to be pretty competitive in this house. I'm not really sure where they get that from. But um, so, <laughs> okay, you could stifle like a little better than that. But um. But that has been hard. And like it really has shown me where I I get to grow as a mom Mm. um, to give them the space to have those upset feelings and um, and to hold that sense of hope for them that this isn't everything either. Right. Mm. Like to point them back to the truth of their identity and their worth. Um, so yeah, so that's been a hard, um, the high for sure within that has been the activities that they're involved in, um, you know, watching kids of ours create art, write, gather friends to collaborate and create something together, um, to work hard as a team and to put in the effort and to get to 
talk to our kids about that and affirm the effort versus the product. Mm. And that's something I'm learning as a mom too. So that's been, yeah, really, really fun. No, I I can only imagine uh, some of your kids' responses to the team activities. (laughs) You know them well enough. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So we'll turn the corner then into talking about today's topic, um, which father, you know, this past Lent, I think it was, um, when I heard your homily on the prodigal son. Mm. And um, I I knew that if ever there was a way I could share with the world what you had shared (laughs) with your congregation, like I was going to find it. So here we go. Um, This podcast is such a way. So I'll start with, if you don't mind, I'll start with just reading a couple verses from Luke chapter 15, which is where the prodigal son comes from. Um, that really, I think, holds the heart of what that homily was about and when we think about free will. So from the Gospel of Luke, Then Jesus said, A man had two sons, and the younger son said to his father, Father, give me the share of your estate that should come to me. So the father divided the property between them. So, what you the, the part of your preaching that really stood out to me was when you spoke of the father's respect for the son the younger son's free will and we'll get into in the next episode um free will and others and the discomfort and the complexity that comes with that um but i thought we would start with talking about free will and ourselves um because when we do for ourselves we can better understand and globalize in our relationships um so this really stands out to me because clients often um come to me um in a time of life you know i'm thinking of my 20 30 something year old clients are in a time of life when they're trying to own their their life, their faith, um, their experiences, make sense of the things that they're feeling and going through and launching from that family of origin experience, the values, the expectations, like all of that, um, which for many of them serve them well, and also they're coming into their own authenticity. Um, so thinking about my own kind of journey toward understanding the free will, um, I think about this freshman theology professor that I had, um, Father Nroge. He was from Kenya. He was a visiting uh, professor from Kenya. And for my term paper at the end of like, you know, Theology 101, um, we were to, you know, expound upon anything, anything from scripture. He was like really open. And I decided to take issue with the idea of infant baptism. And I was like, it is not scripturally founded. Like, and, and I met with him before writing the paper just to kind of consult with him. And, and I think in retrospect, I was testing the waters like to see what, what he would do with me. And he welcomed me Mm. to write it, which shocked me. And, of course, in the writing, I absolutely found that um, there's great evidence in scripture for infant <laughs> baptism. And and so, you know, free will, well used, good job, father. Um, but but I just I think about that. These moments where people have really let me use my will to come into my sense of self and to be um, even, yeah, even more firmly rooted in who God has made me to be. Mm. So let's just start talking about this topic. First thoughts, Father, anything you want to, yeah, yeah, direction think, you want to I think in. it's, um, so even the passage that you started with kind of, um, it just, it just moves me every time on how much freedom the Father gives to the sons, right? So 
on kind of a twofold level. So the son that doesn't leave, he sees this happening, right? He knows that the division of wealth from his father's property is happening right before his eyes and he doesn't ask for anything. And as we see later on, right, he grows in resentment from that. Like, and yet the other son, um, he has the freedom to ask that bold question, which in like the ancient time would have been equivalently saying like, father, will you please die? There's not a Hallmark card that hits that one. Yeah. Um, and so like, it, it's just, uh, it's, it's remarkable the levels of freedom. And then of course the father who doesn't put any stipulations on it. Um, I mean, if you were to give someone their inheritance early, I have to imagine to say like, okay, you can only get so much every month, um, you know, just to put these stipulations so that it doesn't get squandered, right? Even trust fund babies have mm-hmm. trust fund limitations, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and yet here's the father that just bankrolls him and says, here you go. Mm-hmm. And I just, I, I, whenever I hear that passage, especially after the sabbatical that I went on, um, that's where I came across Conrad Bars and a lot of his psychology and understanding of human free will. And that's, he was Catholic. Oh yeah, like he was Conrad Catholic. He studied okay. under Freud actually, and okay. then kind of branched out when Freud took another path. And uh, he met a woman named Anna and they kind of just like collaborated and they actually informed some of the Second Vatican Council and stuff too with the psychology. And so it was, wow. he's a powerhouse. His daughter is still alive, uh, Suzanne Bars. Um, Writes some incredible stuff and has some great uh, YouTube stuff, but I mean, the the free will that we are encouraged to do is harrowing because we realize how much power it is. Um, I think that I, I talked with you and Pat about like a, a homily that I heard, not a homily, but a um, reflection by Peter Kreeft. Mm-hmm. And did you guys? I can't, did you guys use that quote? I can't remember about the. It's in here. It's in, okay, it's in here. Sorry, I'm like wrecking everything. That's but. all good. It's all good. Spoiler, <laughs> Peter, you're coming up. <laughs> so get ready. Write this down. This is going to be really good. Um, but just that there is the uh, an old Baptist that said, you know, God cast his vote, Satan cast his vote, and then we're the decider between mm-hmm. the two. Mm-hmm. And and this is the free will. Is we 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 are given that much latitude. Um, and 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 the prodigal son begins with that passage. Well, and I'm, again, I often am thinking through that clinical lens. And what I see in my clients is that they often come in speaking and thinking in really rigid terms um, and feeling boxed in, feeling trapped. And that is absolutely a recipe for psychological distress. When we feel like we don't have a choice, um, we necessarily feel panic. I mean, when I think about a client in panic, I think about them like stuck in an elevator box, you know, like a broken Mm. elevator. And it's, you know, kind of kittywampus like in the shaft and and they can't get up, they can't get down, they can't get out. And and just that sense of doom um, of there's there's nowhere for me to go. And so when I'm working with clients, I'm really helping them to kind of stretch their mind to understand that there there are a lot of choices. Um, not all of them are attractive. Not all of them are easy and comfortable and convenient, but we do have choice. And that um it is important for us to embrace that, like take that up um, because it is God-given. There's something that the Lord wants us to know about ourselves and Him in giving us this free will. It's interesting too that, I mean, God limits Himself in this regard. 
is he could do whatever he would want to do at any point, but he says, I'm going to limit my power by giving this creature free will. Mm. I cannot make them do something. And the fact that our Heavenly Father allows for that freedom, it, it, this is this is the hard part is like, if he gives us this, why can we not give that to one another? And I think so much of when we think about free will, we're actually usually hobbled and handicapped by force or fear. I have to do something, or if I don't do something, something bad will happen. Mm. And so even in the whole thing, like as we as we think of free will, there's almost immediate limitations that we put on it where God doesn't have that. And it's not like the ability to not say that morality doesn't exist, but it is the recognition that we actually get to choose how we respond to things. And as you guys had spoken about in another podcast too, is like sometimes we make bad choices. and it's because we think we're doing something good, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but really it's not morally good, but we perceive it as the immediate good. Yeah. Um, yeah. And there's even, even in the midst of that sin, there's merit in the fact that we get to choose and hopefully learn from that. I mean, can you imagine what would have happened to that younger son if he wasn't given the freedom to go out and squander everything? Mm. Would he have ever come to a place of appreciating the father? Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, yeah. each soul is so different. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you bring up this idea of morality. And mm-hmm. again, I just, I, I know that sometimes clients and I myself, if I'm being really honest, like there are times when I'm like, someone just tell me what to do. Like mm-hmm. it would be so much easier if you just handed it to me. And so we can perhaps um, have this limited view of the world as being black and white and rigid and that everything is a moral decision. You know, it, it, it's funny that you use those words, the, the black and white. I think that's one of the common ones that comes up, too, is people want that black and white. Yeah. And when I was on sabbatical, uh, I had a lot of time to prayer. I was in a, a Cistercian monastery for three months. So, I mean, you get wow. lots of quiet, <laughs> lots of recollection. You can go deep. That is and... not my life, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was very privileged and so grateful to my parish for allowing it. Uh, but I, there was a time I went to prayer, and it was one of those very bizarre moments where, like, it wasn't a vision, but it was just kind of like this infusion of knowledge. And I had this image of a tree and there were all of these beetles with black and white shells on them, eating the roots of the tree and killing it. And in this kind of image in my mind, I, I just kind of felt our lady right next to me. And I was just asking her, I'm like, what, what, what is that? And she said, this is your black and white thinking and it mm. is killing you. Mm. This duplicity, uh, not duplicity, I'm sorry, the um, dichotomous, dichotomous, mm-hmm. thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Um, the di- dichotomy is absolutely killing you. And I, I realized that at that moment, like this is what was making me so exhausted and tired is either I was a good priest or I was a bad priest. Mm. I either did things really well or I really sucked at it. Um, either that homily was awesome or it was terrible. Um, either someone likes me or they hate me. And like, I did this in so many areas of my life and it was killing me. Well, and the other thing too, I mean, is when I'm speaking with about this with clients, I'm reminding them that that black and white 
you know, more rigid thinking is appropriate when we are young. We need, we don't have the fully developed brain yet to be able to make sophisticated, nuanced decisions, mm. to hold the dialectic intention, um, to believe the both and, to hold, you know, both. How can Jesus be both fully human and fully divine? That's not something that my three year old can grasp, <laughs> but a 33 year old um, mm. has the, um, the developmental um, faculties and also life experience. Experience, God willing, to be able to conceptualize that, and and so when I think about the the flourishing of the human person, moving away from that rigidity is essential. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a, an immaturity that comes when we keep ourselves in this in this false box um, of right, left, up, down, right, wrong, black, white. Um, and and it really arrests our free will um, to believe that everything is a moral decision, um, that there's a absolute answer. Yeah, and I, I mean to to refer back to Conrad Barr's, I mean, with that rigidity, he was working a lot with priests and religious and seminarians, and he talked about ri- the rigidity actually led to repression. Mm-hmm. So like they actually did not have a lot of freedom to engage their tasks. They were just doing it simply out of duty, which has a merit, right? To just kind of do things because they're good. But but again, like Conrad Bars was pushing his clients to say, what do we have to do to let you know you have a choice? Yeah. And how do we get you to want to do these things rather than have to do these things? Yeah. For the prodigal son, what allowed him to desire to do these things was to lose everything. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, and and coming into that love of the father, right? The younger son, like coming home, um, certainly out of uh, material necessity, it, it got to that point, but also out of just this deep appreciation, love for authentic desire to be with the father. And mm. when I think about our vocations, um, you know, what are what are the ways in which I allow myself to feel the freedom to choose to love Pat or for you to choose to love the church um, and the people you serve? Um, so maybe, Father, you've been so helpful for me as I've been um, becoming more mature and sophisticated in my thinking about the idea of amoral actions mm, yes. and how our life is filled with them yes. way more than we give credit. Yeah. <laughs> No, no, and I, I've, I've actually experienced this a lot in doing direction with people too. Um, not, not just <laughs> not, not referring to you kind of, but I think it's just a thing that we all have problems with, right? Is we we want things to be either this is what God wants, this is what He doesn't want, and there's sometimes where God's like, I actually don't care, mm-hmm. and that's the amoral action. And like, there there is a reality that we experience almost it's almost scandalous to know that God wouldn't care about every decision. So like. Should I go to coffee with this person or not? God, just give give me a sign. Let me know. He's like, I don't care. And then we're like agonizing, like, God, maybe I'll do a novena and then you'll tell me where I'm supposed to do it. And he's like, I still don't care. So then now we're like reading into tea leaves because we're trying to figure out, should I go to coffee with a friend or not? When again, God's like, this isn't what's really morally important right now. And this is also too, like it's a regard to faith. And, and and trust that like God can work through the imperfect. Mm. And so like this is why there are amoral actions of things that like do not have a moral weight to them. And it actually by us engaging that reality, it also shows a trust that even if this turns out crazy and things go off the deep end and it's a dumpster fire, 
then what do we do? Prodigal son it. And we say, okay, God, redeem this because Mm. I obviously, I missed a detail and let's learn from it. Mm, Yeah. Well, and I think too about how, you know, when I'm, when I'm in a more rigid mindset, which is honestly can happen when I'm really tired. Mm. It's like, it's, it's engaging that intellect faculty, right? And the will, um, which are those higher level um, human faculties. And so um, when I'm tired, I can revert back to this. And it seems to um, it puts everything on the same plane. Mm. And I think I actually miss the things that God does want to point out to me um, as being important moral decisions um, because it, it holds everything at the same value. Yeah, that's a brilliant point is if everything is a super complicated moral issue, then nothing is. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, so while it is true that we want to use our free will to choose the good and moral thing, that's not the whole story. Free will is actually about showing up as who God created us to be in order that we can like authentically claim our personality. So maybe we can talk a bit about authenticity. And again, I'm just I'm thinking about the wealth of knowledge you have of, of walking with people through direction and pastoral care as a as a pastor. Um, I'm I'm considering the the understanding of free will as a transcendent eternal gift that we're given from we're given by God from his own nature. Um so maybe help us unpack mm-hmm. that a bit father. Yeah, I'll, I'll do my best. I mean it is an extremely complicated thing. So like there is not um it is not an exhaustive topic by any means. Um, so even two podcasts ain't going to do it justice. <laughs> <laughs> we'll circle back. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think that um, the authenticity piece goes, and I, I tell my directees a lot this. I'll say, please be honest with God. Mm. If you do not want to go to prayer and you want to watch Netflix instead, then tell him that. Mm. Um, and Or just say, God can I watch Netflix instead of doing my time of prayer? And will you watch them with me? And and, and you may actually be surprised, right? That like, again, the, it's not that the Lord doesn't want you to pray or fulfill your obligations or things like this. But again, like he realizes our weaknesses even more than we do. And so like you, I think you had mentioned so, so, so beautifully is like when I'm tired, it's then that I want the black and white because I can't sift through the complexity. And oftentimes like we're at that point where it's like, I don't think I can tell God how I'm really feeling. Like, yeah. I'm really mad. I'm really upset. I'm really disappointed. And like, we talk so much about like, oh, you have to have a personal relationship with God. Okay, well, what does a relationship look like? It means like a frank and radical honesty. Mm. And my closest friends, I can tell them, you smell bad today. <laughs> and like, they go, well, that wasn't very nice, but you're right. Like, I mean, like, <laughs> And yeah. I mean, these are these are things that deep friendships are based on is this honesty with respect. And and to think that we can't have that with God, mm. like, okay, fine. Mm-hmm. But then you're also too not going to go with to him with the most important things of your heart. You're going to store them away. Mm-hmm. So returning back to that, again, that just that small passage of the prodigal son, I have no doubt that part of what allowed for the younger son to know that it was safe to come back is because it was safe to leave. Oh man. Okay. <laughs> and so th- this is one of the same things is like yeah. this radical freedom. And and we, we have a hard time holding space for that for ourselves and for others. Yeah. Um, you yeah. make this decision, mm, you made your bed, sleep in it. Yeah. 
Well, how, how is that going to be a good place for someone to come back if they say I did make the wrong choice? And is that the love that God calls us to reflect, right? right? Is that is that um, each of us being those, yeah, the moons, the moons of God, right? He is the sun and we get to reflect him in all these different ways. Um, I think about how our, it's in using our free will that our authentic personhood gets to show up and we actually um, evangelize through that. Um, we we heal, you know, others, we illuminate for others, maybe where they are being called to a deeper sense of freedom and authenticity. I think about um, thinking about that um, C.S. Lewis quote that Pat loves so very much, and I totally do not have it memorized like he does. So I'll get to the punchline and he can put it in the show notes, but <laughs> it talks about um, how how gloriously different the saints are in comparison to the monotony of the tyrants and how each of us, we are called to be different and the way you're going to, you know, um, Make maybe make the decision around a prayer versus Netflix um, maybe is different than the way God is asking me to live that out in my life, in my relationship with him. Can I, can I give a quick example? Please. Of this? So, you know, the, the other night I, I came back um, from the office and it was, it was late and I hadn't, I hadn't finished my bulletin article yet. And so I'm like, I've got to do this. I still had some time to prayer that I had to go say. And I just, I, I, I didn't want to pray. I didn't want to write the bulletin article. And I just said, Lord, this is really unfair. Like mm-hmm. I already put in a full day and I can't get this done. And I just kind of sat with that. And I, 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 I did a Job moment. Like I just pouted. Um, <laughs> and I'm like, this is so not fair. And I just said, okay, Lord, how, how are we going to work through this? Like, I don't want to, I don't want to pray. I don't want to write my article. Both of these things still have to get done. And I just, I just felt the Lord's presence so palpably in that moment. And he's like, and I just, maybe this is just my own delusions of grandeur wanting to, but I just felt him like, have a beer, sit outside on the porch, just take some time to breathe and then come back in. Mm. And I did exactly that. I put my phone on do not disturb. I went out and back, just sat there, slowly drank one beer (laughs) and I came back in and I felt like a completely new person. And then I had the freedom to be able to say, yeah, I think I'm going to go write the bulletin article now. Um, Mm -hmm. And maybe it came for, I mean, like, you know, some inspiration from spirits, Uh, (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. but it was, it was fascinating because as I gave myself permission to acknowledge where I was at, a new possibility that wasn't either or appeared. And it was the one that helped me navigate the situation for success. Absolutely. So I'm hearing there was an honoring of where you're at in your humanity and inviting the divine one into that and and really like letting him show you a possibility that your human mind, like you know, you hadn't come up with yet, a solution that you hadn't come up with yet. And there was, um, yeah, a, an openness to your freedom, like he was in relationship with you in that moment. And what a gift then to make of your duty of writing the article and of prayer um, and also that that leisure and that time mm. to just be with him. But see, this example too, though, Kenna, is just an idealist's nightmare. So it's it's literally saying I, you have no other option but this, period. This is what you have to do. And where when I started to say, okay, God, this isn't really a moral issue. This is an amoral situation. How do you want me to deal with it? 
And the, the creativity that came was something of God's doing, right? Mm-hmm. And, and where a rigidity or an overemphasis in idealism doesn't oftentimes allow us to see something that's creative. Yeah. And so this is also too where like when someone's trapped in the black and white thinking, creativity vanishes. Absolutely. And oftentimes this is why rigidity is often shown as something brittle or that can break easy or someone can snap. And, and the reason why is there isn't that creative flexibility that allows for nuance and change. Yeah. No, definitely. And I can think about that in my own life. And certainly, you know, as I've walked with clients, um, that the what you're saying about creativity, that is just so spot on. And that problem solving um, mechanism that our, our human minds are really gifted in when we have the freedom to choose. If we feel like we are in a box, we are desperate, we are panicked, um, we're in survival mode. There isn't creativity. There isn't room for creativity when we don't feel like we have the freedom to choose. Um, yeah. Well, and I, I wanted to, to talk about or to share um, with you, our listeners, a passage from the book of Sirach, um, that just, I never heard this before. Pat shared this with me and I was like, you've got, that is in scripture. <laughs> like I, I was so heartened and also, um, amazed. Um, so from chapter 15 of the book of Sirach, God in the beginning created human beings and made them subject to their own free choice. If you choose, you can keep the commandments. Loyalty is doing the will of God. Set before you are fire and water. To whatever you choose, stretch out your hand. Before everyone are life and death. Whichever they choose will be given them. It makes me think about a strategy that we use sometimes to help de-escalate people's upset feelings, which is to accept, like, there are a series of choices that I have made that have gotten me in this Situation. So I think about like my kids with, you know, procrastination and they're panicking the night of the night before the project is due and they're angry at the teacher. This is too big of a project. This is unfair. And can we like accept the fact that there are a series of choices that I have made? Like there's a lot of use of free will and a sense of accountability um, toward the choices that we make in freedom. And like you said earlier, that's where faith gets to be drawn back in because sometimes we do find, right, Thursday night at 9 p.m. when we haven't started the science project that's way more involved than we thought, we find, ooh, I did not do well with the choices that I had before me. Um, and you're grinning at me, so maybe you have something to say about this. I, I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm grinning because I, I remember my poor mom and dad having to go through that experience <laughs> I'm like, oh, man, it just repeats itself. It's human nature. But I, I think, too, like some of the most important lessons that I've learned is because I exercised my free choice and I learned from it, right? Mm. And I, I will tell you what was never helpful was people shaming and guilting me for that. Yeah. What has always been helpful was people helping me discover why maybe there was other choices that could have helped and assisted, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that, like again, going back to the prodigal son, it's just such a great parable about free will and choice is like, the the father says everything that you have everything that i have is available to you like you can make all these choices you do not have to make the choice of being an angry monster because your brother came back mm. and just like your brother who came back like he clearly saw that there were other choices he could have made and so like this is this is one of the beauties of 
interacting with people in regards to free will is if they do make a bad choice, it is not helpful to shame and guilt. Mm. It is very helpful to help them say, well, what are some other options that I could have had and how could I have done this differently? Well, and I think too that for many of us, um, we have an inner critic who's very quick to shame and guilt us. Sometimes we don't even need someone on the outside, that's, that's, um, that's you true. know, speaking in, um, because we are so quick to tear ourselves down, and um, and again to just squash us and not give us that openness to reflect on it. I mean, I I can think of some really just grace filled prayer times when the Lord has been willing to walk with me and understand. Um, what he, you know, what he wants me to learn from that experience, and uh, that happens again in in freedom when I realize that my my worth is still intact, my dignity is still um, is still preserved. These are these are my behaviors, these are my actions, these are my choices. Um, I get to repent and return, um, and that actually reminds me of you know, thinking about dignity and and our worth. Um, reminds me again of this passage that Pat found out of Gaudium et Spes, um, which is how do we do we say that's the Constitution of the Second Vatican Council? Is that the kind of the title we give to that? Okay. Um, so out of section 17, um, a couple excerpts. And again, we'll put this in the show notes because these are beautiful passages to pray with. I don't know that I ever thought I'd say I'm gonna pray with a <laughs> the piece council of, of the church. <laughs> yeah, the constitution of this council. But um But the quote says, only in freedom can man direct himself toward goodness. Hence, man's dignity demands that he act according to a knowing and free choice that is personally motivated and prompted from within, not under blind internal impulse, nor by mere external pressure. I mean, that's like, that just takes everything we talked about and like sticks it in a nutshell. And honestly, I think Conrad Barris is coming out in that. Really? Okay. Yeah, I think okay. that that's some of his influence on the council. God bless you, Conrad Barris. Like that is that is so psychologically healthy and theologically accurate. Um, and it also illuminates what love God the Father has for us, that he would give us this gift that, I mean, I, I think I underestimate my um, my goodness in thinking about how God has given me free will. Like the father, I think, sees more possibility and more good in me. And he has more confidence in my ability to use my free will than I think I do. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm quick to diminish that and to want to give that away often. Final thoughts, Father. I want to um, yeah, give us some concluding words and also, our, of course, our challenge by choice, but anything that yeah, that you want to share on this yeah, topic. I mean, one thing, and just this is just from an experience of being a confessor for 11 and a half years. When, when people come back after having been the prodigal son and use their free will to make some, you know, choices that are a, not amoral, but immoral, mm-hmm. um, and they're repenting of it, right? They, they regret the decisions that they made, but the ones who are really healthy in entering into a new Christian walk are the ones that see that I have learned something from everything. Mm. Um, And if you were to ask them, right, would you want to do like go down that same path you did? They almost all say no. So then I follow up a question is, do you want to forego the wisdom you've gained? Mm. And they also say no. 
And so what I'm helping them try to do in that situation is to say, yes, okay, you, you did make some bad choices, but make the, take the good out of it, which is the wisdom. Yeah. Um, and, and this is where, you know, transformation occurs in a powerful way because God can use everything. Um, Peter Kreeft has that entire book on Romans 8.28. Yes. Um, is yes. it How to Be Perfect or? Um, first Steps in Becoming a Saint, How to Be Holy. Oh, how to Be Holy. Sorry. Yeah. yeah okay. Not yeah. perfect. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Can you see my takeaway from it? It is, <laughs> it is uh, linked up on the website um, so folks can find it there. Yeah, I love that book. It's actually um, his um, revamp on abandonment to divine providence. Yeah, because ev- everything works for the good for those who love God. And so, again, going back to the free will piece is even if we make a misstep, God can use it. And it is the person who's living in complete fear and terror that if I misstep, then everything's lost. And it's like, no, the path has changed, but it's not lost. Mm, yeah. Well, I think I want us to end on that. No, that was beautiful and brilliant and really like ties it up um, with a bow for me. Um, I love that we can end on this word of hope and faith and be have our have our eyes set on the merciful love of the father um and and trust that he is um he is cheering us on like he is giving the grace um that we need in order to do well with our free will um so let's talk about this episode's challenge by choice shall we um so in this challenge by choice we are going to invite ourselves to think over the last week or so and to choose a time when you know that you showed up freely and authentically. Um, so, you know, it may be a time I'm I'm thinking of like a time when I was really living in the moment. So we weren't in our heads thinking about what others might be thinking um, or worried about how others might be evaluating us. We were really showing up as the unique individuals that we are. So journal about what that was like. Really let yourself sit in that experience and unpack it, you know, inviting God in and and letting him maybe also point out things to you that you haven't yet noticed. Um, how did it feel to be freely present and to live out that moment unencumbered by expectations of self or of others? Um, and even as you recall that moment, noticing how your body feels, our bodies are such truth tellers, um, noticing what emotions are coming up and what kinds of beliefs we're having about ourselves in a time like that. And then inviting you to close that journaling time with a prayer of thanks to God that that he has given you this experience and the gift of free will and asking for his help um, to, to let you live increasingly that way. Um, so again, you know, as always, the challenge by choice is written in the show notes. So if you're driving in the car, um, you can go check it out there and um, journal with this and pray with this. And Father, I'll ask you actually, if you don't mind, um, to pray us to a close here. And um, yeah, just give us that witness of how we might be able to incorporate this into our own prayer. So Heavenly Father, we ask you for the grace in this moment to understand the gift that you gave us in our free will. May you speak to our hearts your powerful words of creativity that you came to give us life and that to the full. 
Let us rest in the freedom that you gave us and choose you, O Lord, because you are so good. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. So this wraps up another episode of This Whole Life. And so as you are uh, finishing up listening to us today, we ask you to consider subscribing, um, to think about sharing this, rating it, reviewing it. It helps us to be more visible and accessible to other listeners um, so that we can invite others onto this um, amazing journey um, that is not without its challenges, but man, oh man, it is a sweet life um, to be seeking sanity and sanctity. So thanks so much again for joining us. Thank you, Father, for being with us. And until next time, God bless you all. You're not alone. This whole life is a production of the Martin Center for Integration. Visit us online at thiswholelifepodcast.com. I didn't spend that much time with Paul Kim, so we're good. Then the father said.